Rebels, I am Erin Patton, metaphysical master in a millennial age, and it is my life's purpose to guide you and organizations along an enlightened path. So I invite you to sit comfortably and tune in as I welcome you to the Meta Business Millennial, where we get the real conversations you won't get in the boardroom so that we understand this is exactly the path we need to be on in order to grow, evolve, and thrive. Welcome to the Meta Business Millennial. I am Erin Patton, also known as Master L, and I am here today with Sarah Noble. I am just so honored to continue to be blessed with beautiful guests, brilliant guests that are on a spiritual path, a spiritual path of healing, a path of enlightenment, a shamanic path. Sarah will talk more about that. She is a mystic. She is a spiritual teacher and also a transformational coach. And the name of her practice is called the Modern Day Intuitive. So I will just stop there and allow her to introduce herself and talk more about her work. Hi, Erin. Thank you so much for having me. It's really exciting to be here. I'm so glad that we found each other and that we get to have this conversation today. I really have walked a spiritual path for most of my life, although I wasn't always connected with it in the way that I am today. And it's led me on this really beautiful journey that I want to inspire other people. And what it means for me is like really living fully alive and creating spaces where we get to live fully alive. I think society tells us that we have to fit into these boxes or that things that we wish and dream for aren't possible. And I don't want to live inside any of that. (laughs) I want to live in the space where I get to be everything of who I am, all the parts, right? Not just the good parts, but everything (laughs) about me has value. And all my mess ups and all the crazy emotions I don't understand, like all of it is me. And I'm here on earth in this body to experience all of that. And I'm really passionate about helping other people feel that way too, that life is here to be lived and just go out and do it. And a big part of that for me is really developing a relationship with yourself and your intuition. And so that's the part for me that has just changed my life so much when I really have come into that place of inner authority and sovereignty and knowing the truth of who I am. I love that. You know, I love the word sovereignty. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. And so speaking to that, I would love to know a little bit more about your upbringing. You know, I would love to know about your childhood, where you're from. I know this is like so typical for like business folks, but this is helpful. Like your education, like if you went to college or did the whole career track, just really talking about what that looked like. And then we'll kind of get to how that transition happened for you. Sure. So I was born in England and then at six, I moved to the Bahamas and I grew up there till I was 14, where I went away to boarding school in Florida. And then from there, I stayed for university and I studied economics and finance and graduated cum laude with a bachelor's in something that I had no idea what I wanted to do in the world with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my childhood upbringing, though, was a lot of trauma. There was a lot of, I don't know, my parents got divorced early. There was just a lot that I was holding inside me that I I didn't even understand. And that was coloring everything about my life. And so Mm. that took me down a path of addiction and just really trying to find who I was from an external perspective was like, what can I do (laughs) to distract myself from me? Because I can't live inside this body. Like it's too painful. And after college, I worked for a while and then I just pat put everything in storage and traveled. And it's funny because I put my stuff in storage for six months. Like that was how long I signed the contract for. And I didn't come back to get it until five years later. Because <laughs> 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 once I started, it was like that initial part. It was so scary to start. And some of my friends even like led an intervention because I was getting in my Jeep with a man that I had only just met and I was going to drive to Costa Rica. So from the U.S., and, that sounds amazing. Right? <laughs> but they were like, you're going to die. Like, nobody does that. <laughs> and there was just something inside me, like part of that spiritual path, right? That seeker, that part of me that yeah. knew life was supposed to be different, but I just didn't know yeah. what to do with that. 
but it was like following that intuition, even back then when I didn't know what it was really. And that turned into five years and probably I think five different countries and all amazingness that really enriched my life and taught me so much about the world and mm. about how we're all connected and how people are so different and yet so similar. Yeah. That's so beautiful. And what I really want to understand is like when you came back from your five years and got into back to working life and the rat race, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like, what did that look like for you? Because I know it looks different for everyone, but it also feels the same to your point about, you know, things being same, but different. So what was that kind of transition and then moving on to your transition into the spiritual work? Yeah. So once I came back, I knew I wanted to settle into something and I had spent some time out in the Hawaiian islands. And so I just bought a one-way ticket to Maui and my backpack. And I was like, I'm going to see what happens. And I wow. ended up, yeah, I got a job in a small publishing company there on the island. And I ended up creating an 11-year career there that was really enriching and beautiful. And I grew so much and really used my degree, used my skills, used, you know, just more educated side of myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so... During that time, though, I got sober. I did a lot of personal growth work. I got a really great therapist. I kind of changed everything. I got on this whirlwind of my 20s, and then now it's my 30s. And so it was like, I need to understand who I am. I can't keep yeah. drinking to solve my problems. <laughs> right. Yeah. So then a decade, 11 years of that, and then I got married and had kids. And then that was another huge spiritual portal. And I realized that I did not want to be in this, you know, fast paced deadline oriented career and be a mother. It was just tearing me apart. Mm. So I didn't know what I was going to do again, but I just put in my resignation, like right after my daughter was born, my second child, it was heartbreaking thinking of leaving her and going back to work. And so I just decided I'm just going to risk it. I'm worth the risk and I'm going to see what happens. And, you know, my mm -hmm. husband had a career, so we did have income, but we definitely had to like change our life because we were going to lose my salary. But something mm -hmm. inside me said, I just had to do it. Yes. Yes. And I want to just ask a little bit more detail around a couple things that you just shared, because I myself have struggled with addiction issues. And I think I talk a lot about previous casts, especially around alcohol, weed, and how they were very much escape escape kind of like escapism for me and it's one thing to like drink and smoke and it's like you can manage it things like that but when it gets to a point where you're like, for me I was like blackout all the time I'm waking up next to people I don't know like it was just to a point that was like ridiculous you know I really want if you don't mind sharing you digging a little bit deeper into what that addiction season looked like for you and how you came out of it and kind of what was like a catalytic moment for you where you were just like, this is enough is enough. And I need support to really grow and find my husband, have my children, because I know a lot of listeners out there are single, are potentially struggling with addiction issues and want to understand how to have grace with themselves as they come out of something that really isn't them. It's just an aspect of them that just needs to be healed. Yeah. So for me, I began drinking probably end of high school. And I think it was probably a problem from the very beginning. Like I just overdrank because I didn't, I started to feel better. And so then it was like, oh, well, I'll just have more and then I'll feel better, but it doesn't work that way. But right. there wasn't a way, I didn't have a way to start stop it. Like once I started it, just, I just wanted another drink and another drink. And that went on for years and then played around in some recreational drugs for a while too, in my mid twenties. And it was always like, I just really didn't like myself at all. Yeah. And that was what I was running from because yep. with my thoughts, with myself, with my emotions, everything all day long, every day, there's no escaping it except, oh, I can have a drink and I can go out and I can talk and then I'm away from me. Like there's a version of me that's out there socializing. And I was always that fun, happy person. And, <laughs> you know, it was, it was a good time, but it wasn't because 
I was so disconnected from my soul and so disconnected from my loving that I made Mm. terrible choices. And I stood Mm. people up. And like you said, I mean, one Mm. night I woke up underneath a coffee table, like the next morning, I was like, Oh, where am I today? Mm -hmm. Living like that, I still held a job. I functioned. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Like I was high functioning in my dysfunctionality or. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And yet I was just, I got tired of being hungover, of making promises Mm -hmm. that I didn't keep, of pretending Mm -hmm. I was somebody that I wasn't. Mm. I felt like it was actually physically cracking me. Like I was Mm. breaking like how it felt and come to find out more right now that I'm in this world of how our soul and our energetic field works is that when you do, when you are engaged in drinking and using substances, whatever those are as a method of not being connected to yourself, your soul actually does leave your body. It can't live inside you when there's that much dysfunction going on. And so there was the cracking really was happening because my soul just had every day was just like, I can't even live in your body. So I don't know if there was one defining factor that said enough's enough. It happened over time. I think I turned 30 and I was really, I had a hard time with 30 because I'm a perfectionist or I'm a recovering perfectionist. (laughs) Say the same thing. And so that perfectionist part of me was really so heightened. And it was a struggle between wanting to please everybody, wanting to get everything perfect, like I couldn't make a mistake. And then the drinking helped numb all that, but the drinking Mm -hmm. sort of exacerbated that too. Like I was Mm -hmm. so imperfect when I was caught in these places. And so that 30 mark was really like, what the hell are you doing, lady? Yeah. And I did, I probably talked to myself like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, because (laughs) I had no level of love for myself. Right. Yeah. And I feel like it was a gradual progression of like, there's got to be something different, that voice inside me. And then what happened is I ended up on a yoga mat. And I realized that God wasn't the punishing God that I learned as a child and ran away from. Yeah. Oh, that hurts. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And it was like, God loves me? Well, this is a novel idea. (laughs) And it grew from there. And I wanted to stop. And I wanted to understand why. Why am I drinking? Why am I overeating? Why am I doing all these things that are not good for me? That's beautiful. And that resonates so deeply with me. I feel like that is my story to a T. And, you know, I felt like the next part of what I wanted to dig into was you having the realization that the deadlines, the hard and fast expectations that are always demanded of us in corporate spaces, you coming upon being in union with someone, then having children and having to juggle all of those uh, responsibilities. You know, what was, if there is a breaking point in that story, because, you know, I have a lot of friends, clients, you know, my own personal experience where so much of my work being a recovering perfectionist is part of my identity. You know, so I work, I perform, I please, and because it helps to bring me fulfillment in many ways. And I find that this is one reason why I was so inspired to do the meta business is that so much of our work is who we are. Yet when we show up to work and we're not able to fully be who we are, then that is painful. And then that is damaging. And then that's really soul crushing. You know, when people are like, the work is soul crushing, that's really the soul crushing part. And so I really would want to understand more about your journey in the corporate space. And, you know, what were you loving to do? Because it seemed like you were aligned with it. It was something you, 11 years is a long time. And then to be able to move out of that and to go into a spiritual career, that takes a lot of courage. So we'd really love to understand that that journey for you. (laughs) Yes, it takes a lot of courage. And I feel like it wasn't an option. Like there was just that voice inside me that I started to learn to listen to that wouldn't allow me to stay any longer. Like it was breaking me again, right? That idea of, of feeling the cracks because of living out of alignment. I did love the work. I loved my work environment. I loved my boss. I loved the way that we structured everything. The deadlines were 
challenging and they took a lot out of me. And I think over time, as I wanted to become a mother, priorities change, life changes. I wanted to have more time for my children and the level of that job did not allow for that. And one of the things I've learned is that through my experience is that I believe we come here with a journey that is outlined for us of the things that our soul really wants for us to learn and do in this lifetime. And when we don't listen and we are out of alignment with that, life gets hard because it's source, spirit, divine saying, no, no, you have an agenda. You came here to learn these things and you're never not on the path, but you are not following your heart. And that Mm. can become detrimental. Yes. So after I had my son, I had a terrible, really bad pregnancy. And I was not prepared for that. I was like, I'm going to be running every day and it's going to be this, I'm going to love being pregnant. And I like spent most of it in bed. Like it was, I worked from a bed in my office. Like it was hard. And then when I had to go back to work at six weeks, that was heartbreaking. And then I was had kids later, so I needed to or desired to have my daughter quickly so that I could still have a somewhat healthy pregnancy. And my heart wanted something, but my mind is like, well, the money, you can't leave the money, the security, like all that is there in that job for you that I then started to not like anymore because it was keeping me from what I love. Yeah. Which was my kids. Mm. And like, I couldn't make money staying home with my kids. (laughs) Like, didn't work that way at that time. So having to follow my heart, even when I had no idea what was going to happen, how it was all going to play out, but that longing inside me that I, I had to listen to that. Yeah. And so I resigned and just was like, all right, I've got to figure this out is how I thought about it at the time, right? I was less like, oh, spirit, work out the details for me, which I am now. Back then it was like, I have to figure it out. (laughs) So, and I did because what I've learned is because I followed my heart, life came in to support that. And that is what happens. That is how I live now. I have the thing my heart wants. I take steps in the direction of it and spirit fills in the rest of the things that I need. Yes. And it was that simple. And I believe that that simplicity is what creates so much anxiety for people is because we're so used to making a plan, following step by step and doing lots of work and agonizing over every step. And Obviously, you're the modern day intuitive. So it would be very, I would say, enlightening for our listeners to understand, like, how did you manage that process of waiting for the details? Because it is in this gap where I believe that many people struggle the most, myself included, of that being patient and waiting for direction from source, from God, from universe. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things in that place. So for me, what I chose to do was go deep within myself. Like I had already had, you know, gosh, over a decade on a personal growth journey. And then I had my kids and it was so apparent that I had only scratched the surface. Like Mm. there was so much more under there. When these little people come into your life, they're mirrors for everything that you don't want to look at about yourself. And you have a choice, right? To blame it on them, to blame it on the fact that I don't have my job anymore or my husband's doing X, Y, Z. Or I have the choice to say, hmm, who am I being? What do I need to change, mutate, shift, rearrange inside of me that isn't the truth of me. That is my conditioning. That is my patterns. That is the stories that I grew up inside of. They are all creating my reality. And so if my reality right now is hard, it's because inside of me wants more love, wants more attention, Mm -hmm. right? Wants, Wants my loving. And so that was the path I chose. And inside of that, my intuition deepened and opened and I could hear the voice inside me more. And that was like, I wanted more. I was like, this, I'm in devotion to this now. And I have been for the last, you know, eight, 10 years in devotion at such a deeper level to what is the truth of me and what am I here to do? And from that, my business unfolded. I had no idea what I would do with this 
gift of channeling that arrived, but I knew that I had to do something with it. Like that was, I suddenly, it was like, I joke, I know what I want to be when I grow up. I want to be like this messenger for spirit. Like, how do I do that? What do I do? And instead of my pattern, right? You're talking about like, we lay all the steps out in front of us. And then we like feel so daunted because how are we possibly, we don't even know what the end goal is. And yet we're like trying to figure it out. The mind is like keeping me up at night, trying to put all the steps in place. And what I learned is that I can only show up for the next step, one step take Mm -hmm. an action, and then the next step will be revealed. And that was how the journey went. I really intuitively got a hit for taking a coaching program. And somebody had sent one to me in a text. I pulled it up and I signed up. Like when my intuition started telling me to do something, I didn't ask questions. I just did it. And that was huge. And then it was... The ATM didn't give me the $40 that I took out of it at a fair I went to with my kids. And rather than like, it was going to take 15 minutes for the guy to come to the machine to give me my $40. And part of me wanted to get mad that I had to spend 15 minutes waiting for this man, like for my money. And the other part of me is like, but remember, you're in this room for a reason. And I was like, oh, am I? Okay. And so I went around the room seeing why I was in the room because I wouldn't have gone in that room otherwise. And on the wall was a flyer for a woman who I called who I just explained to her, the ATM, blah, 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 here I am. I don't know why I'm calling you, but do you have anything to tell me? And she's like, yeah, that you want to talk to the lady who rents my office on Saturday. I was like, thank you. And she gave me her number and she was a shaman. And I walked into her office and then it was like, I followed that path and I mentored with her. And then I became certified in energy medicine practices and followed the Andean traditions. But it's like that, it's taking the pause to step out of the conditioning that wants to say this is an inconvenience and really seeing the truth that no, this is a gift that spirit is offering to you for you to walk further down the path. Yes, I love it. Mm -hmm. And now that you brought it up, I would love for you to dive a little bit deeper into the Antian traditions, the shamanic path that you were guided to, because I believe this is another burning question for many of our listeners is there are so many ways in which we can honor God, honor source, whether it's light healing, Reiki, channeling, a shamanic path. And I would love to understand for you, what does that look like in your gifts and how you share them with humanity? So, cause you're right. There's so many choices, right? Like, what do I do? Which is the path? What is the thing that I want? Well, I, I followed the guidance. I landed in her office and I had a session with her and something inside me came alive in that one session. And I knew I wanted more and I had left my job, right? So I don't have extra money to be paying money for private sessions and with a practitioner. And yet I just knew I had to do it. So it was like, I'm just going to keep showing up and believing that I can afford this. I don't know how, I just know I have to do it. And then I took her workshops and different things like that. And she gave me, early on, she gave me a book to read. And it was by one of her mentors. And it's the gentleman that I studied with as well, um, Alberto Vialdo at the Four Winds Society. And it was a book called Shaman Healer Sage. And I read that book. And it was as if I remembered that book. Mm. It was new, like for my mind. But my body and my heart knew that it was just remembering. Yes. And so it's those moments, right? Like really trusting that the body and the soul and the heart hold the wisdom. The mind is going to tell you all kinds of crazy things. I was just playing around this morning thinking about like how much our mind lies to us essentially, right? All for good. Like it loves us. It is so taking care of us and really just to being our best friend. And it lies to us all the time. It wants to tell you that you left the car keys on the table when really you put them in the drawer. We were skiing this weekend and my son was in a class with a friend and I was convinced he had on this like gray jacket with these yellow stripes on it. And his mom's like, no, Grayson has a camo jacket. I'm like, no, no, he doesn't. Well, of course, the next time I see him, he had a camo jacket on. But my mind, <laughs> that's what our mind does. It yes. looks at our surrounding. There's so much information and yes. it doesn't always get it right. <laughs> right. 
So it's like really listening to the body, listening to the heart, listening to that part of you, that little voice that just won't leave you alone. Mm. So many people I work with that I talk to, they always say, I knew. Like I'm not telling them something that they didn't already know, right? It's like they just don't trust the fact that they already know. Mm. In the practice of the shamanic work that you do, Mm -hmm. can you speak a little bit more to what you do? Because I know you briefly talked about the tree behind you and the journey, but maybe (laughs) you can dig a little bit into that too for our listeners and our watchers. So I found, like I did therapy for a lot of years and it is incredible. And where things changed for me was when I took them to energy. When I recognized Mm. that it... Yes, the mental and emotional patterns and all the psychological, the physiological, it's incredibly important. We're in a body, we're human. That is the essence that we live inside of. Yet we are first and foremost energetic beings and everything is energy. And quantum physics is Mm -hmm. teaching us more and more every day about that truth. So when we look at situations, challenges from the energetics, it's the source It's the place where it actually comes from. The energetic informs the physical in everything. And so when we dive into what's happening inside your energetic field, you as a soul, you as a divine being, and we track that first, that's where everything lives. And then that comes through to the physical and creates the pain, creates the pattern, creates the story that you can't let go of because it's held in the energetics first. And until you clear those things, there's a limit to what we can do just in the physical when we only look at the mental, emotional, and physical being. So for me, my life exponentially changed once I was working with the energetics of my body and working with practitioners that could help me and learning about energy medicine practices and taking those to my meditations and being in communion with the fact that I'm a multidimensional being, not just this physical being. Life changed. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. everything did. And I got deeper on the path. And so where I love to really support clients and support humanity is in remembering that truth and in developing your intuition because everybody is intuitive. We're all energetic divine beings. We all carry the gifts of intuition and that deeper knowing and that ability to create our reality in our life if Mm. we choose to do something different and to go within, right? I believe we're here to really know ourselves as God. But we can't do that if we're constantly running and distracting and caught up in all the stories. Like we have to get serious. Mm. And getting serious for many is always the goal, yet the distractions, the noise are so powerful, so loud that quieting it down and hearing that little voice is nearly impossible for most people. And to your point earlier, you said you were on a personal journey for 10 years before you even got to a place where you could start to really get deeper into your spiritual work. So what we're talking about here is years and years of intentional practice before you could even hear the whisper of that intuitive voice. And I'm saying this because it really speaks to me. It resonates to me. It really aligns with my own personal journey. And also I want to reiterate it too for our listeners and our viewers who feel like, okay, I've been doing this work. Like, when is it ever going to end? Like, when am I ever going to feel better? Like, when is the pain going to stop? And helping them to understand that this is lifetimes of work that we're doing to really experience God. I love, love, love how you said that because that's exactly how I view this journey and the intricacies of it, the vastness of it is that if God is omnipotent and infinite, then of course the experiences are going to be crazy. You know what I'm saying? So I love that you said that and really would love for you to dig deeper in that way around how we feel and into ourselves and in this space of growing, of knowing that there is so much more to do, even though we've done so much work already. Yeah. I think in that place too, right? It's we as a culture, as a people, we love to make ourselves wrong. We love Mm. to look for the problem. 
right? Like there's yes. so much negative self-talk. So like, yeah. even, right. Even in that place, like I've done all this work and then, oh, how much longer? It's like, well, are you loving yourself in that moment, right? Like we're just taught to strive and it's, there's got to be this end and there's got to be this big reward. And mm-hmm. in that place, we miss out on the simple pleasures, right? It's like, it's the moment and it, it's a practice that deepens. I mean, I am even right in this moment in a deepening practice with the moment. When I think about the future, that. It's anxiety, right? Anxiety's definition is worrying about the future. Depression's definition is still living in the past. Yes. And they may not be clinical definitions, but they feel more <laughs> experiential uh, definitions yes. for me. And so, you. right, when I am in this moment talking to you, enjoying just, I don't know, the feeling of being alive in this conversation with you like looking in your eyes, speaking about something that I'm passionate about. Like it's this moment, right? It's a practice too, right? Everything's a practice of bringing the mind, like allowing the mind to be in the moment so that you can enjoy it. Like I look out the window and there's the trees and the other day they were all covered in snow. And it sounds so, I don't know, cheesy maybe, but I, those moments fill my heart and they make it worthwhile. Like I, one thing that can help too is finding out what you're in devotion to. And that can take a little exploration. I realized that I am in devotion to love and magic, or I could say them as connection and intuition. Yes. And that is the thing that I get up every day in devotion to. And that is the marker that I choose like a value, right? Like, am I living into these values that I hold? Relationships Mm. are a value for me, which is the connection piece. And spirituality is a value, which is the love and magic piece. So I believe that when we have anchors that we cherish and we honor those, that it's easier. Like there's something, there's a reason why you're doing it. It's not just to feel better. Because I feel like that can be fleeting when we use happiness or feeling better as the reason we're doing things. It's surface, right? What's the deeper reason you're doing it? Why do you get up in the morning? Mm. What did you come here to do differently? And Mm. it's allowing space to really answer those questions. Because part of why we let ourselves get distracted is what we were talking about in the beginning. We're living out of alignment. So our heart and our soul are like, crying. And in order to distract ourselves from that pain of them crying, we're all over social media or out, you know, in the bar or whatever the thing is we're doing, eating potato chips, watching Netflix. I did that all the time when I was pregnant. And, you know, like, (laughs) I think it's because we're not listening to what we really, what our heart really wants. And we're looking for a quick fix, right? Like you were saying, like, it is a path of devotion. Mm Mm-hmm. I love that word devotion. And I don't know if I use it or say it or hear it enough because when you think of devotion or when I think about devotion, it's really in a romantic context. Like you can hear it like in love songs and things like that. Yet when we're talking about our own personal path, like how devoted are we to ourselves? Like how devoted are we to our connection to God? And I don't believe we're asking ourselves that question enough. Nor are we taking the time to your earlier point of being present in the moment because we're always wanting more, desiring more. I know for me, like I've just been in a space of really desiring divine union. Like I've never been married, like I've been in long term relationships, but nothing to brag about. And really am constantly like, thinking about, worrying about, calling forth, you know, how can I get into this divine union that's going to really shape, and I believe, my whole life. Like, I feel like that's one of the reasons why I came to this planet, was to really anchor myself in partnership and love. And for me, and for many people, because I literally just hosted a, (laughs) a vision board party this weekend, and all of us put that on our vision board. We're all just like, love, partnership, a man, like, how can we bring this? How can we manifest this? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's something that really like 
that's just one example and it just is relevant for now. So that's why I was bringing it up. But it's just one example of us really being anxious and worrying and not trusting in something that, that it's so external facing, it's so outside of us. Yet if we were to put that energy and that devotion towards self, then we should know and trust that person, that one will walk in our path with ease and it shouldn't be anything that we stress or worry over yet that devotion to self, that devotion and trust in universe, it literally is like the hardest thing. So I don't know if you have anything to say to that. I just, <laughs> I was just feeling what you were saying. So that came yeah. out of my, out of my spirit, but that's really fundamentally one of the biggest challenges in this path is that devotion to self. So to what you're saying about the devotion, I see in my own life, right? Like where we look at these places where there's lack, where we're lacking this person that we wish for. And it's interesting because I am coming out of the end of my divorce. We're very close to finalizing everything. And so for the first time, my mind is also on what that next relationship might look like. I've taken over a year without dating anybody, doing anything, just being devoted to the process of my divorce so that when I do step into the next phase, it's clean. And we live in a world, right, that tells us like there's so much lack. And we have learned to put this filter on that sees what we don't have as opposed to creating it as if we already have it. And that's where that manifesting piece comes in, right? Like the right and correct person for you and for me already exists. They're already in our field because we can imagine them. We're not lacking them. But when we believe that we're lacking them, we create space and time between what we want. The, like the idea that we don't have it, if we can collapse that, everything is now anyway in this moment. So our person is already here in quantum time and space. Mm. We're the one that creates lack, which then makes clock time a reality. So it's a very esoteric theory and way that the world works. It's very hard for the mind to understand it. <laughs> I remember mm -hmm. the first time that I started playing in this place, I was, my mind just did not want to understand the concept. And yet... The more that I brought to consciousness the places where I believe I am lacking in my life, I recognize there's just a story. There's a part of me that wants more love. There's a part of me that I'm turning away from. And it's creating this idea of lack in my life that I don't have the thing that I want. Because again, I'm externalizing it. Mm. That is so good because it is the truth. And it's the truth that you just said it yourself, the mind in many ways has been programmed not to wrap itself around because it's the lack mindset that keeps us in the addiction state, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> which is how, you know, this society and this, this matrix thrives is us wanting more, needing more. And to be able to accept quantum truth and that everything that we desire, everything that we need, we have now is absolutely necessary for us to ascend, for us to evolve and for us to grow. So I love that. And actually, I feel like tonight I'm going to journal about that <laughs> <laughs> because I want to be able to affirm all that I have now and what it looks like, including my divine mate, because this quantum work, it requires remembering to your earlier point, and it requires, if necessary, constant remembering because we have a tendency to forget. Like that's what happens when you come to this plane, you forget all that you know, and it's a process of remembering. So that just really speaks to my soul, that, that work right there. And also I'll thank you for sharing very honestly about your own journey and path in relationship, because I've been a child of divorced parents, like I don't know too many folks that have had successfully long, you know, marriages, relationships. So this continues to be a theme of great pain <laughs> for a lot of people, whether having experienced it as a child or having experienced it as adults is the inability to really, or feeling like there's inability to really co-create in union with someone else, you know, male or female or whatever, however that looks. And 
I don't know how this, you know, feels to you in jumping and talking about this more. I actually work with uh, some mentors that specialize in divine and divine union work. And actually her name is Jasmine. She was on the podcast uh, recently talked about how divine union will ultimately be that which helps to save our earth, save our planet. Like that is a huge, you know, statement to make in that, you know, love, divine love, union love is really kind of like the future. And I just kind of wanted to get your take on it. Like, how does that resonate with you? How do you coach other people around this topic? Because it's definitely a part for me where I've struggled and I've admitted that. So I would love to kind of hear what your experiences have been and kind of how you move through it yourself and coach others through it. I grew up as a child of divorce and one of those wild and crazy that affects the children type of divorce that set me on a journey of, I never knew if I wanted to get married and had kids because I was not available for what my parents did. And that's part of why I waited until I was older to make those decisions. I'm a much better mother because I waited because I did all this work, but my relationships, I was looking for a father in my relationships, right? So the unhealed Mm -hmm. parts of me were looking for somebody outside of me to heal me. And obviously that doesn't work that way. (laughs) So my relationships, they were all, a lot of them were challenging. I had some that were not, but for the most part, they lit up the places inside me that wanted to be healed in this lifetime. And my marriage was a big container for that. It really showed me all the unconscious patterns, all the ancestral wounding, all the things that had been handed down, both on my side and on his side. And so that's what I chose inside of that marriage was to heal me, to really take everything that happened and use it again as that mirror to be, to clear me, to love me, to go deep with me. And in the end, I chose to leave that marriage because of my spiritual path. He, as wonderful as a man as he is, was not on board for doing the deep work like I am. And I saw that for me to fully be alive and live and be a leader in the world in the way that I want to be for intuition, for love, for relationships, that was not, I've got to live what I talk about, right? And so staying in that marriage, another reason I stayed so long was because I didn't want to mess up my children by getting divorced the way that my parents' divorce had hurt me. And so I lived inside a story that I couldn't leave for a long time. And I had to dismantle Mm. all those things. It's all been part of the journey, right? Like who I am sitting here talking to you today is because of that. And so, so much gratitude, even though there was so much pain, so much angst, the gratitude that I have for that soul that signed up to do that work with me, not doing Mm -hmm. the work with me is huge. Yeah. Right. And so I don't know, like, as far as like, I hear about sacred union, I know that the next relationship that I create will be very different because I resonated a very different frequency now than I did inside of that marriage because I used it to clear away. So I can vibrate higher so that my heart is pure. My energetic field isn't tracking off, you know, my mother-in-law's wounding that I acquired because I married into that family. Like all of that Mm -hmm. plays out in a relationship. Mm -hmm. So from not having experienced it myself, I can only sort of speculate, like most of what I teach and talk about is because I have a lived experience of it. Yeah, yeah. Right? So it's like, I I know for me, like it might not resonate for you, but this is the truth for me. And in sharing that, possibly it helps someone else. But I see it as like that sacred union being where both people are devoted to their own personal development as spiritual beings. And so you can rise together and then it's more powerful, I would imagine, right? Because Mm -hmm. you're in union with it, the masculine and the feminine, whatever we identify as, however we choose to union together, we Mm -hmm. all hold masculine and divine masculine and feminine energy within us. So we are merging those forces, the physical body and the choices we make 
I is outside of that, right? We all carry that, yes. whatever we choose. And so yes. it's, it's that that's coming together. That is the powerful piece, I would imagine, as that unites to help. That's so beautiful. And thank you for sharing to, you know, your own path, because as I mentioned before, so many of us have experienced sort of a trauma of relationships, whether from our parents, whether in our own experiences, and we don't want to be beholden to our past. Kind of what we were just talking about earlier in the cast around the depression is really looking back at the past and understanding that clearing when we're in relationship with folks and we're sitting in the moment and we're allowing that mirror to be reflected off of us, whether in partnership, whether through our children, that it is in that process that we are healing and that we are moving into higher and higher spaces. And that work is challenging because it really starts to that it's the pushing of the buttons. It's the the cursing people out. It, it's the really the ugliest aspects of ourselves that get revealed in these moments. And one thing I have to constantly remind myself of in these times is, especially because you said triggering back to that negative mind, is how do I have grace for that aspect of myself? How do I embrace that aspect of myself? Because it's not me, but it is mine. Like it's my inherited experiences from my grandmother or my mother or my father, but it's not me. And I believe that this is the part that really is the most challenging to overcome in that clearing process as to how to remove that judgment, how to remove that guilt, that shame, when these ugly aspects of ourselves get revealed either through ourselves or in partnership with others. So, yeah. And, you know, like shame and guilt in my experience, they're gatekeepers, for something deeper. Mm. They're collective mm. emotions that we all sign up to say, oh, I'll buy into that story. They're not really our emotions. They come up because they're so familiar and they're easy to yes. feel because everybody feels them. So they're very, very yep. familiar. And then I don't actually have to look at the thing that is really happening underneath because I'm just going to say, mm. oh, this is, I'm going to like, let shame take the blame for this, right? And guilt and all those things. And so in my journey, it was recognizing that there's actually something deeper and that to not personalize the shame and the guilt, they're not, they're not mine. Mm. I just get hooked into the collective story, the collective emotion of them. So mm turning towards all the parts of me that I, again, it's another way we distract. And I don't say that lightly because I know when I was in shame and guilt, they felt so real. They, they're debilitating. They're hard. And yet now I see them as just another way to distract myself from what's really happening mm. and really going deeper. It's like I get to stop here at the level of shame and just sit in it. But it's like, this is what you really want to be looking for. It's underneath here. Shame's your gatekeeper for it. Mm -hmm. So same with like anxiety, right? Anxiety, I love this. I learned this from one of my mentors that anxiety is like a guardian angel. Whenever something happens, it rushes in to save you because mm. you can be anxious. You're so practiced at being anxious that you can handle it. Mm. And so it's saving you from the thing underneath that you actually think might kill you because it feels mm. so like it's at such a survival level, right? Like we get really triggered in those fight, flight, survival responses. And that's the actual thing that's happening. So anxiety's like, oh gosh, I don't know if she can handle that or he can handle that. And it rushes in to save you from the thing that actually is underneath. And that was mm. so powerful for me to recognize, like depersonalize these emotions that I just lived inside of. Like they were just like my security blanket, right? Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I couldn't see them as that. They were this thing that I was trying frantically to get away from and yeah. beating myself up because I felt these things. So there's yeah. so many things happening inside of the emotions and inside what we're feeling and what we're thinking. And that's why I love working with people to really dismantle that and how you were saying it's yours, but it's not you. And how yeah. I love to talk about that, right? It's like, this is the self. This is the true self, the truth of you. And then these yes. are all the layers of not self that just come from your conditioning. This is what you were yes. given as you grew up. 
And it's like, what point are you going to say, okay, enough is enough. I don't want to wear any of these costumes anymore. I don't want to live inside any of these stories any longer. Like, this is who I am. And I am going to be a stand for this. Mm -hmm. And that way it can be, I think, maybe less scary, less daunting, less frightening, because it's really like, it's a loving act. Yes. And, you know, I think that's a perfect way to wrap up today's <laughs> podcast is just like, it is a loving act to connect with your true self, to honor yourself, to live and be in your sovereignty, to be in devotion to yourself. It is an act of love. And I would love for you, Sarah, to share with our listeners, our viewers, how they can get in touch with you for a session, how they can stay in contact with you or follow you. It'd be great if you could share that information for them now. Yeah, thank you. I'm at sarahnoble.com, so nice and easy. And on Instagram and Facebook, I'm at The Modern Day Intuitive. And I have a number of different programs I've created that are self-study that help people on the journey. You can learn to develop your intuition. You can have a place called Explore Your Magic. So it's like really allowing the senses, the mind and the body to awaken to the magic of who you are. And then I also hold one-on-one containers where we go deep into a lot of these things that we're talking about and we work through together, right? I'm the support for you to be the truth of who you are. I'm a stand for that. And I'm in devotion to that. And yeah, it's what I do. It's who I am. (laughs) That's so perfect. Thank you so much, Sarah. And to all of our listeners, you can also follow the Meta Business Millennial at the Meta Business Millennial on Instagram. Also, you can go to the metabusiness.world, check out resources that I have, as well as at I am Erin Patton to follow me personally on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And I thank you so much for tuning in and tuning into this very special cast with Sarah Noble. I will catch you on our next episode. I love you so dearly. Peace. Did you really love this episode of the Meta Business Millennial Podcast? Well, I am honored and I appreciate you subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing it with your friends because your feedback allows us to co-create more enlightened conversations. And if you're interested in growing your soul now, head over to my website, erinpatton.com to find all the show notes, links, and free resources to get your energy activated today. In the meantime, stay bright, my friends. Much love and light. Peace.